0: Hi, this is Yazdaboul live from ACC 2018. I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. PJ Devereaux who just presented the one-year results of the POIS trial. Uh, Dr. Devereaux, tell us a little bit more about the POIS trial. What was the POIS trial and then we can go over the one-year results.
1: So the POIS trial was a randomized control trial of 8,351 patients who were randomized to receive a beta blocker or placebo around the time of non-cardiac surgery. These were patients who were age 45 or greater undergoing in-hospital non-cardiac surgery, and these patients had to either have atherosclerotic disease or be at risk for atherosclerotic disease. The hypothesis that we were entertaining was that patients during surgery have an increased you know, uh, sympathetic output in terms of the stress of surgery, and if in fact we could control that with a beta blocker, could we decrease the risk of myocardial infarction and the sequelae of myocardial infarction?
0: And this came at a very debatable time after the decreased trials before that, and then right. POIS showed conflicting results. Uh, so if you can
1: go back in time to the initial POISE right. results. So we the original trial and the main results are for 30-day outcomes. And at 30 days, what the POIS trial demonstrated was that perioperative beta blockade did have a benefit and that it decreased the risk of myocardial infarction, did that by about a third. However, we demonstrated an increased risk of mortality and an increase in the risk of stroke. The mortality um, was demonstrated that uh, it increased in patients who had sepsis and infection with the possibility that the beta blockade kept heart rates down, delayed recognition, but also too, if patients became septic and hypotensive and were on a beta blocker, likely making it more difficult to manage the sepsis and we saw the increased risk of mortality Those were the 30-day results.
0: And what do the one-year results look like?
1: So the one-year results show us that, in fact, what happens in the perioperative period matters because essentially the effects all persist out to one year after surgery. So at one year after surgery, what we're seeing is a relative 16% increase in mortality. It is statistically significant. We see an increased risk of non-cardiovascular mortality, over 20%, it is statistically significant. We see, once again, an increased risk in stroke. But a 50% increase. At the same time, there is a benefit. Um, we see a reduction in myocardial infarction and a reduction in, cardi- in coronary vascularization.
0: So the results of the 30 days kind of mimic the results yes. of the one year. Yes. In terms of the rate of events, is, is at least with the Kaplan-Meier curves, is, are
1: the rates becoming more plateaued or they're still? So if you look at mortality, it just continues to rise. You see a separation quickly, but it just continues to rise. The majority of myocardial infarctions will happen shortly after surgery. Those who get a myocardial infarction, a different trajectory, but the overall population, you know, the myocardial infarctions overwhelmingly happen very quickly after surgery, but importantly, those curves don't come back together. Stroke um, increases out to about two months after surgery and then sort of plateaus out at that time. The only patients who ended up getting coronary vascularization were the people who had myocardial infarctions overwhelmingly. And so once again, that parallels very quickly the myocardial infarction. Um, And it does highlight, as I said, that what is happening in the setting matters because these effects will persist. And it highlights why, in fact, we need to find a way to safely control the sympathetic system because there is benefit in that. But the problem is we yet haven't figured out how to make beta blockade safe in this setting.
0: Is there any chance that the, I don't know, maybe five-year results or ten-year results aren't going to look any different, or we think it's just going to...
1: Yeah, um, it may. We're not planning to uh, yeah. do that. It was very difficult to actually get the one-year results. Um, we did active follow-up in 22 countries, and in Canada, we were um, pushed by the the Canadian Institute of Health Research to do the follow-up through administrative databases and we found that it ended up being extremely challenging to actually do and actually acquire the data. It took us years and years yeah. to actually acquire the data. So um, I do not we're not planning with poise to do a longer-term follow-up, but more importantly, we're putting our focus on to try to find ways to safely deliver um, sympathetic control. And I think the biggest challenge that we see is that a lot of patients in the setting get hypotension on surgical floors and there's delays in recognizing it and there can be limitations to the actual speed with which it's managed Um, and we're hoping that by using remote automated non-invasive monitors on surgical floors with early alert systems and pathways to manage it perhaps that may be a way where in fact we could more safely deliver beta blockers to get the benefit we want but try to mitigate the risk that remains to be proven in clinical trials but that's how we're trying to explore this pathway further
0: and In terms of subgroup analyses, was there any surgery type that changed
1: anything, or gender, or age? So we looked um, based on gender, we looked based upon the revised cardiac risk index as a measure of of perioperative risk. We also looked based on the type of surgery, don't see subgroup effects across those. it It appears to be just a generic effect of beta blockers, you will have some benefit, but at the same time, you will increase risk in the overall patient population.
0: Is there any reason to suspect that this is a metoprolol effect as opposed to a class effect? Yeah,
1: um, well I mean one thing is we certainly did use a higher dose of a beta blocker. We used metoprolol, CR, long-acting metoprolol. Um, We gave 100 milligrams just before surgery. We gave 100 milligrams about six hours after surgery and the day after that we started 200 milligrams a day. If patients became hypotensive or bradycardic only once they recovered, they then dropped down to 100 milligrams a day. Um, So one question would be is, could you actually get the benefit and mitigate the risk with a lower dose? Certainly possible. Um, The one thing though that is important to recognize is that we only ended up with a seven beats per minute difference in the heart rate between these two groups. So the question will also be is if you drop the dose, will in fact you get enough heart rate effect to still maintain the benefits but mitigate the risk? Um, I certainly think that's worthy of exploration. Um, but I, I don't think it's the dose in terms of whether or not another beta blocker may be more advantageous. It's possible. Um, the data, if you look at the meta-analysis data, regardless of what beta blocker has been studied, they look to, s- to say the same signal that yeah. you do see this benefit but you're also seeing this increased risk. So my real feeling is I suspect it's less crucial which beta blocker I think the real issue is we have to figure out how to better monitor patients to respond to the hypotension early so we can mitigate the complications. I think that's the best way that we have a chance to win. And in
0: conclusion, do you think this is the end of uh, beta blockers for non-cardiac surgeries?
1: Yeah, I'm, well, I hope that uh, we're gonna be able to find a way to get this benefit and mitigate the risk. Well, so I hope it's not the end of it. Okay. Um, that being said, I think at the moment we haven't proven how to do it safely But as I said, I hold out hope that with different monitoring strategies, we can deliver it safely. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing the results uh, of the
0: one-year outcomes of the POIS trial. And thank you all for watching us live from ACC 2018.